Thank you so much for tuning in to Northridge Church Podcast. We're so glad to have you a part of our weekly service. For more information, please visit us online at northridgethomason.com. Now prepare your hearts as we dive into God's Word. Amen and amen. Y'all give Jesus a big hand clap this morning. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Man, I'm excited about what God has been putting in our hearts over the last few weeks since we came into this new season of 2019. We've been talking about preparing and uh, taking preparations for our life. Uh, Pastor David preached the first week. I preached last week and talked a little bit about finances and preparing our way and also about our spiritual condition. And today I want to kind of continue in that same sphere of study and that thought of preparation and preparing ourselves but not just preparing ourselves for the win, but preparing ourselves for a supernatural breakthrough. Now, I know when I say that word immediately, some of you get a little frightened because then we kind of uh, divvied over here in some kind of Pentecostal activity and some of you kind of push back. I want you to understand something. Anything outside the normalcy of what you and I can do is supernatural. How many of you understand that? Anything that is outside of our normal capability is a miracle from God. Amen. And we need him in every single sphere of our life. But he says to us in 3 John chapter 1 and verse 2, he said, I wish that above all things that you would prosper and that you would be in health and that as your soul prospers. You see, we are created in God's image. He tells us that in the book of Genesis, that we will be made in his image and his likeness. God is found in three persons. He's found as what we call a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, each of which has a distinctive role, as do we. We are found in three persons. It's called a trichotomy. We are a body that you see, that you touch, that you feel with all your senses. That is what connects us to the world. And then there's the mind. The mind is the essence of who you are as a person. That is where your soul is. And then there's the spirit, that which connects us to God. They will live forever. Now say that because I I want you to really get your head around this today. That in order to situate yourself, if you want to call it planning, to situate yourself to be blessed by God, you got to become what? Blessable. And to be blessable, there's some preparations that we must take in order for God to be able to pour into us so that we can become poured out upon others. That we would be filled. That's why you came today. It's called equipping of the saints. You come in here today, hopefully to be filled, not by me. Watch this. I'm merely a messenger. I've had to spend my time with the Lord. And I listen to a lot of preachers online. I spend time in prayer meditation. I have brothers and men of God that pour into me when they see me begin to diminish and become weak in my flesh. Because how many of you know that we're all weak, right? Come on, get your hands up if you're weak today. And the reality is that we situate ourselves by allowing ourselves to be filled by God. So that you may be poured out upon others. Guys, there's a lot of people that aren't in church today. Matter of fact, just in our county and city alone, some 24,000 people today will not be in church. If you move into Pike, you move into Lamar, you move into Meriwether, you move into other counties, you'll find that there's thousands more. I believe today we have found, to some degree, the church to be irrelevant. And we've even gone to great exhaustive lengths to make it relevant. I want you to hear this today loud and clear. You don't have to make God relevant. He's timeless. You don't have to make his word apply to you in today's time and put some twist on it. It is timeless. 
As you heard Pastor David say and you heard Keith and the band sing, it, 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 he will meet you where you are. And, and I know the word reckless may seem a little uh, frowned upon by some theologically, but I want to tell you something. When we think of someone loving us in spite of who we were, that's reckless. I would never tell you to invest in a relationship that couldn't somehow make you a better person or couldn't somehow uh, add to your life and to your value. But Jesus did just that. He didn't need us, but how many of you know he sure will use you if you'll let him? If you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, if you're not sure uh, where that is in your Bible, you have your app, you can always go there. But if you have one of those old ancient books we call a Bible that you're still flipping pages, just go to the 12th book of the Old Testament and you'll land on 2 Kings. Just putting this in perspective, Elijah was a man of God, a prophet of God, called to minister to his people. Primarily when we say that, we're talking about Israel. Now this time, he poured into one other guy whose name was Elisha. One's with a J, one's with a S-H. Elisha. He was the successor of the man who poured into him. At some point in time, he transferred his mantle, his authority, his anointing. To this young man, Elisha. There's a lot of stories that I could get into with that. It's a very unique character in the Bible. Very unique historical figure. But to get us up to par here, Elisha has now taken the mantle of his predecessor, Elisha, to go into God's people. Now we're seeing a divided kingdom, a northern and a, a, northern and a southern kingdom. That was falling and pushing away from God. We call it an apostasy or a falling away. My friend, we live today in a very likened time of apostasy. People are pulling away in droves. Pulling away from the faith. Pulling away from God. Pulling away from the church. And we'll find something today, a teaching point that I want to really ask you to open your heart up to today. Because it's going to be a little different than a normal sermon. As I read this, I want you to please stand to your feet with me, if you will. In 2 Kings chapter 4, out of reverence for the Word of God, we're going to read these six verses. 2 Kings chapter 4, we're going to throw them up on the screen as well if you want to look up there. And it says this, One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elijah and cried out. Many theologians and historians will tell you this could have been Obadiah's wife, who had hid a hundred of God's prophets in a cave to protect them from King Ahab, Jezebel's husband. But be that as it may, I want you to grab onto this next text. My husband who served you, Elisha, is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. There's implication here. She had no money to pay the debt that her husband had incurred. So what would happen is they would come and take the sons to be indentured servants to pay off the debt. Of which she knew she would never get them out of slavehood because she didn't have any money. So watch what she said. So... Elijah now begs the question. I want you to grab this question today with all that you are. I want you to put this around your heart today. This is the question that God is asking you and I. Here's what he says. What can I do to help you? He's saying, what do you stand in need of? What is it that you desire to see God supernaturally do in your life? Tell me, what do you have in your own house? But you'd underscore this first word, nothing. Everybody say nothing. Since I have nothing at all except, oh, but one thing I have is a flask of olive oil. Then he said, go. Everybody say go. Go and borrow vessels from everywhere, from all, everybody say all, all your neighbors. That's the good neighbors. That's the bad neighbors. How many of y'all, some of y'all have a little bit more than just good neighbors. Anybody got some not so good neighbors? Okay, we digress. 
Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour the olive oil from your flask into the jars. Supernatural entry. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing the jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon, every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. Father, in the name of Jesus today, we ask you that you would help me. God bless you. Thank you for standing out of reverence to the Lord's word today. See the story that there was only one thing she had. First point, I want you to read this again. It says, move in your life to rock your world, to supernaturally impart something that you've never seen. If you're believing God today, church, for something you've seen him do before, you're acting outside of faith. There needs to be a group of people that can step on the scene in God's house. And say, God, I want to see you do something that you've never done before. I want to see you do something that I've never dreamt of. Eye has not seen nor ears heard nor has entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. How many of you love the Lord today? Just lift your hands up. I want to see God move in a way that blows my mind. God, show me your glory. And he says, what do you need from him? What What help do you need? And then he comes to this point that I believe we all have to reconcile in our heart. And that's the answer to this question. What is it that you already possess in your house? What is it that you already are equipped with? The man of God said. She said, nothing. Nothing at all. I got nothing. I can't do anything. I'm, I'm just in dire straits. There's nothing I can do. Oh, but I have a little flask of oil. I want you to understand in that culture, it's still true today, oil meant a lot more than oil means to you and I. Oil was used for medicinal purposes. It was used, as you see in Psalm 23, to anoint the heads of the sheep so that these, these mites and these little gnats would not go into the eyes and the ears and get into the brain and cause that sheep to go crazy. They would pour the oil upon his head, and it was used for that. It was used for cooking, but it was used for something else greater that every person in this culture knew in that day and time. It represented the spirit of the living God. It represented, every time you see the word oil mentioned in the Old Testament, all through the tabernacle, through the wanderings, and even today, watch this. When you hear the phrase oil or oil flowing, it is speaking to the anointing and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in a situation. The indwelling Holy Spirit of us is the oil of God. She said, I got nothing but one little flask of oil. Can I tell you today, I believe God's called me here to tell somebody today, point one, what you see is nothing, maybe all God needs to move your life. What you come in here today with, feeling empty, feeling void, feeling like you got nothing to give God. How many of you cannot say, bless the Lord? And then with the dancing, bless Him, let everything that But you got to let your praise come out. And if you don't praise him, the Bible says the rocks will cry out in your place. I'm going to stand here to tell you today, ain't no rock going to cry out in my place. I'm going to give him his worth. He's worth. He's been good to me. He's been so much better than I deserve. I am a blessed man. I am telling you. And he's blessed me. And what I may see as nothing may be the very thing that God needs to see in my life. All I got to do and all you got to do is quit worrying about your abilities and make what you do have, what you may see as nothing, available to God. Remember the boy with a little lunch on the side of a hill? He just had a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread, but he gave it all, and God took it, and God expanded it and multiplied it. 15,000 people were served because one boy gave what was nothing to many, but what was everything to God. 
See, God just wants everything you got. I, I, I kind of chuckle when people say, so you're telling me that God wants me to give 10% amount of my money? I said, no, God wants you to give all your money. He lets you keep 90%. You're saying to me, I need to, I need to go to church every Sunday. I'm saying you need to go to church every day. Whether you come to this building or not is between you and God. Going to church is getting in the presence of a holy God. So, Mark, you, you think I need to pray morning, noon, and night? No, I'm saying that your prayer should just be a bunch of commas that never ends. Pray, pray without ceasing. Let everything be done through prayer and supplication. I think that maybe today there's some people sitting and maybe some of our online campus, welcome for watching today. Might be sitting there and thinking that you got, and I'm using bad language, guys, today, that you got nothing. I know that's not grammatically correct. But I feel like some people just walking around with their heads down today going, I got nothing. And God said, no, no, no. You got everything I gave you, which is everything you need. Quit trying to make it. Listen, can I tell you something? God doesn't need you to, to, to situate yourself on a platform before you can have an audience. He just wants you to realize that there's but an audience of one. Everything that I do should be to please Him. Let Him sort out the rest. Maybe you're nothing today is exactly what God needs. Number two, God did not call you to find, F-I-N-E. God called you to faith. God did not call you to mediocrity. He called you to supernatural. God did not call you to just barely make it. He says, you're more than a conqueror through Christ who's given me strength. God did not call you to just exist in a home. He's called you that your marriage would flourish and that your best friend would be your spouse and that you not only cohabitate, but that you do great things together and you fall in love every single day because he says, let a man love his wife even as Christ loved the church. How does he love us? He loved us when we were unlovable. He loved us when we were running from him. He loved us when we were the centurion that was nailing him to the cross, slapping him across. He loves us when we're unlovable. Guys, that's how we got to love our wives. He doesn't want you to just exist and you on the couch and she's in the bedroom. Get in there and snuggle. God wants you to spoon with your wife. He wants you to get in there close because that is the one he created for you. Out of seven billion people on planet earth, he created her for you and you for him. All y'all have heard this whole morning is spooning with your wife, right? That's all y'all heard. Some of y'all are going, I'm coming back next week. That's good stuff. Some of y'all are going, I'm never coming back. He didn't call you to just be fine. Let me, let me back up. How many men in here are married? Men, stand up if you're married. Holy Spirit just gave me this. I want you to look over to your boo. And I want you to tell her this. You put it in your own words. Honey, I love you. No, here, we're not done. Say, so you the gravy on my biscuit. You're the red hot in my chili pepper. Now, just be serious for just a minute. Get down there real close. Hopefully, you had a tic-tac. Get real close. And I want you to tell this. Say, baby, I don't know where I would be if you weren't with me. How many men can attest to that? I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for my bride. That wasn't even in there. That was extra. And <laughs> one, one guy's going, praise the Lord. I said something sweet to my wife. I wonder, is there anybody, I just wonder, is there anybody that would be willing, you don't have to, it's between you and the Lord, but just embellish the moment and say, I'm believing God for something that is truly going to take a supernatural move of a holy God. I'm believing God for that. My hand is up. Is anybody else's hand going up? Look around. Hold it up for a moment. I am truly believing God 
for an addict in my family, hold them up, to be, to be completely clean overnight. Anybody believe in God for that? Anybody believe in God for a lost loved one that just says, I don't need the church. I don't need what God has. I don't want to come. Is anybody believing God for that kind of breakthrough? Keep praying. Is there anybody believing God for an anointing in their life, for the spirit of God to move on a situation so that you can love the way he loves? Is there anybody believing God for breakthrough? then God has not called you to just be fine. God has called you to be a man or a woman of faith. To live a life, listen, to live a life like, I love what Greg Rochelle said one time, preaching like a dying man to a dying people. Hey, we need to realize this may be it. What if? What if today you went home and you reached out to that person that you hadn't connected with in so long because there's been that dissension. Can I tell you something? If you've got root of, of, of unforgiveness in your life, it's a root of bitterness that will destroy everything about your faith. If you hadn't forgiven someone in your life, you need to do it today. Mark, what if, what if they're dead and gone? What if they're in prison? What if I can't talk to them? And let's, let me hear, let me say this. I am not minimizing what could have happened to you when you were a little girl, a little boy. Please don't think I'm making light of that, but I'm just telling you, you've carried that thing way too long. You need breakthrough. You need to let it go and give it to God. Otherwise, you'll go through life like this. Hey, man, how you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. I want to hear somebody when I say, how you doing? I say, man, I'm a child of the most high God. I'm doing phenomenal. Although it may look like all hell is breaking loose in your world. You know who you are. You know whose you are. You know your identity is rooting in who that he has said you are. God didn't call you to find. He called you to faith. Look to your neighbor and say, he called you to faith. Tyler, where are you? Take your headset off and come on down front real quick for me. Tyler's my son. From as long as I can remember, he's followed me around when I was in the military. He liked to ride in the Humvees and the tanks and took him hunting. How many of you dads taking your boys hunting, ever taking your boys? That's tough, ain't it? They want to eat Oreos and talk and destroy a good hunt. Quick. But I knew when he became a pastor, that was not something I could do. Can't be daddy called. Can't be mama called. Something he had to sort out in his own life. Never forget several years ago, you stand out here on the floor, buddy. Tyler, listen to your daddy, son. Stand right here in the center of the floor. I still got it, don't I? That was good. You see him pop? Is he rolling his eyes? But when he, when he was called, he, he didn't tell me. He didn't tell his mom. He told us in, in a mission trip to Jamaica. And, it, man, it blessed my heart because I knew... <clears throat> And I'll tell any of you young guys out there, you say, Mark, what should, I, what should I do if I feel like there's a nudging on my life to be called? I say, run as hard as you can in the other direction. And if God won't let you go, then there's truly a calling on your life. He won't, he won't leave it alone. He won't leave it alone. Test the spirits. See if it's, if it's God speaking into you. Philippians 2.13 said, it's God that works in you, but the willing to do of his good pleasure. If there's a notion, a nudging in your heart to sing for him, sing for him. God put it there. If there's a nudging to teach, teach for him. God put it there. If there's a nudging to follow him in missionary service. God put it there. If there's a nudging on your heart to be a pastor, I promise you, it's a tough, tough, tough existence. But do it as unto the Lord. But here's what I believe to be true. Third point is I want you today, I want everybody in here to be a disciple of Christ. He says it in five places. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John again in Acts 1-8 that we will have the Holy Spirit and we're to, we're to go out. Everybody say go. 
And we're to spread this message. We're to teach the gospel. We're to baptize him in the name of the Father, the Son, and Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're to, we're to what? Preach the gospel to, preach the gospel to every creature. But to be a disciple means this. That I am following in his ways. And, and Chase, I want you to come up here for just a minute. If Tyler, if I disciple Tyler, the true test of a disciple is when he does what? When he replicates that in another. So the true test of whether or not Tyler has been truly discipled by a man or woman of God is that Tyler will internalize that being poured into. It will change him. He cannot not go because it's a sense of urgency. Let me say that again. He cannot not go. It's urgent. That's a disciple. He pours into Chase. When is Tyler truly poured into Chase? Danny, come up here real quick. It's when Chase gets it, he cannot not go, and he pours into Danny. Are you with me? If you're with me, say amen. You see, that's when we're making disciples. Making disciples is not somebody who comes to church. It's doing life with a person so much so that they get the aha moment, the sense of urgency, that they go. It's a default mechanism. It's not something that I have to make him do. Y'all too can be seated. Tyler, please remain standing. But in Acts chapter 6, you see him say, go out among you and find co-laborers. That means you're situated in the same sphere of what I'm doing. Maybe you're not preaching from a stage, but you're proclaiming the message of hope. And then what happens is, Tyler, as a challenge to you, I'm going to give you eight seconds. Eight is the number God's been poured into my spirit the last four days. The number in the scriptures means new beginning. How many of you need a new beginning? Tyler, I want you to touch in eight seconds as many people as you can touch. Y'all can count with me. Y'all can count with me. Tyler, I want you to don't hit nobody in the face. There's some big old boys sitting out here. Don't hit Lucas. He's just real funny about that kind of thing. On eight seconds, Tyler, touch as many people as you can. Y'all ready? One, two, three, go, Tyler. 1,001. 1,002. Y'all sing it with me. 1,003. 1,004. 1,005. 1,006. 1,007. 1,008. Stop. If Tyler touched you, I want you to stand. Tyler, these are the people that you influence for the glory of God. Y'all give Tyler a big hand. Y'all can be seated. But what would life look like if we see the first mention in the book of Acts that the word of God spread rapidly? I looked that word up. It means that multiplied. How many of you know if you have money that you'd rather it be multiplied than just added to? How many of you know that? Matter of fact, if you, you go do a little thing, I think we have a picture. If I were to give you one penny today, one penny, not a dollar, one penny, and you were to double that penny tomorrow, and then double it the next day, in 28 days you'd have over a million dollars, not a million pennies. And I know some of y'all are sitting there going, y'all didn't pass math, and y'all going, that ain't true. Check it out. A penny. You'd have over a million dollars in 28 days. Y'all look at me. Y'all stare hold through me. Watch this. Watch this. That's what church should look like. What if Tyler didn't just reach Chase and Chase just reached Danny? But what if you became a co-laborer and you helped Tyler reach other people? So here's what I want you to do, Tyler. I'm going to give you some instruction. Because I believe church is a time of instruction, don't you? I believe it's a time to equip the saints. And this is what we do. So Tyler, what I want you to do is I want you to run down through those center aisles over there. 
And I want everybody in that row and this row to hold your hand out. Tyler, I'm not telling you to go yet, son. Come back over here. I just did that because I'm his dad. And, all right. And then everybody on this side, Tyler, you're going to run as fast as you can. Run behind. Right, don't go outside now, Tyler. We got to do this in the house. Go right through there, come around through here, and then come down. I want y'all to all turn around and hold your hand out. Everybody on the aisle, hold your hand out. But the second you get touched, you touch the person next to you. And then you touch the person next to you. And you touch the person next to you as really quick as you can. It's got to look like this, too. You know, everybody do that. But don't hit nobody, okay? If your wife and husband, y'all fussing, here's your moment, okay? Here's your moment. All right, Tyler, this side, everybody get your hand out because y'all are co-laborers. Y'all are no longer just sitting on the premises. You're standing on the promises. Amen? Tyler, same eight seconds. Watch this. Ready, set, go. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004, 1,005, Come on now, let's give Jesus a hand, guys. Listen, listen, keep standing, keep standing. Keep standing, keep standing. But there's a few over here on the very spiritual section. I mean, y'all didn't get touched. So everybody, everybody was touched, sit down. Everybody that wasn't touched, stand up. I want y'all to hear this. I want y'all to hear me. Everybody that wasn't touched, stand up. This is our mission field, church. It's not okay that some people get it and some people don't. It's not okay that we go through the motions all the time, but we never go out and pour into anybody. I want everybody in the room that was touched to look at these people standing. They are the representation of your mission field. Because my God, everybody sit down. Everybody sit down in the house. You remain standing. Just you. Yes, ma'am. Carolyn, right? I want you to hear me. The reckless love of God says that he sees you that are standing. But he'll go after the one. Go get her. Just the one. He'll leave the 99 and go after the one. Mark, why does that matter? Let me tell you when it'll matter. Let me tell you when it'll matter. When you're the one. I've been that one. I feel like that. I feel like he left the 99 and he came after me. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, when he came after me, I never got over it. And I will stop at nothing with every single breath in my being to reach as many people as I possibly can. What about you? What about you? Because just like Tyler, that's good. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you. Appreciate it. Love you. Now get back there and get to work. I'm just kidding. They, these guys do an awesome job. We have fun together. So you can go from discipler to co-laborer. I'm almost done. If you're with me, say amen. He says, then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere. I looked up the word everywhere. You know what that word means? It means not just where you are. It means everywhere. Every nation, every tongue, every kindred, every creature. Matthew 28, 19. He said, go, make disciples and baptize them in the Father, name, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Mark 16 and 15, he said, go preach the gospel to every creature. In Luke 24 and 47, he says, here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to repeat, re, preach repentance for the remission of sin. And in John chapter 20 and verse 21, he said, I want you to go to the ends of the earth. In Acts 1.8, he said it for the fifth time. Fifth, five is the number for grace. When you get the Holy Spirit, when you're saved, you now become my witnesses. That word comes from the Greek word martus, which literally means you're to be martyred. Now, it does not necessarily mean you're going to die for your faith. It may very well mean you're going to live for your faith. Amen? I don't know if you've checked out the idea of life or death for Jesus. That's a pretty good deal. He died for you in your place so that you may live for him. I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then fourthly, not only do we need to be a multiplier, I want you to get this last part. I love this. Never, ever, ever let the jars run out. He said, go and borrow the vessels from everywhere. All your neighbors bring empty vessels in. But then the fourth point, never, ever, ever let the jars run out. He says, bring me another jar. And she said to her sons, there aren't any more. And then the oil stopped flowing. I wonder if I don't have anybody in here that's got a jar. Anybody? Just the four of you guys. Y'all, y'all come up and join me. You see, Jeremiah chapter 18, the Lord presents himself as the potter. The masterful potter who takes the dust and the dirt of the earth, the clay, and he, he fashions it. And then he sees that it's marred. It has some imperfections. And then watch what he did. He destroyed it and made it again another vessel. See, these jars in the story are not just jars. They're people. And people represent souls. My job may be clearly just this, to preach the gospel, but to pour into some guys that God has entrusted me with. I'm not better than them. In fact, I've learned more from them than, they'll ever, than I'll ever teach them. That's what makes a great staff is, is realizing that you have people in the room that are smarter than you. My job may be simply just to pour into Tyler. The oil represents the spirit of the living God, the anointing. Pour into him with everything I got. Then Pastor David is our youth pastor. Pour into him. Pray for him. Give him the resources that he needs to be a youth pastor, to be not just okay, not just fine, but to be a man of faith. And to pour into to, to Ben Daniel, one of our deacons. And to say, hey, diakonos doesn't mean a guy who votes. It means a guy who serves. And then pour into our head deacon, Honcho, Doug Riddy. See, that's not what that is. Man, he works hard for the Lord. Retired firefighter. He used to be poured into and I have to love on him. I have to pour into him. And I give him everything I got. Everything I got until I got nothing left. That's a picture of most churches, most of us included. We're just going to pour into them and they're going to preach and you're going to be blessed. You're going to be. But I wonder, I wonder, is there any more jars? I wonder, is there any more jars? Is there any more jars? 
You see, because maybe when he told her to go to every house and get all the jars, he didn't say all you could get, get them all. Maybe, just maybe, they didn't go far enough. Maybe, just maybe, they passed by a house, Clint, that they saw and said, I don't really like her. I'm not going to get her jar. I'm not going to put myself beneath her to ask her for her jar. And they missed a jar. We don't get to vote in who is worthy and who is not. Because the truth of it is, is we're all unworthy. We're all not worth it. The wages of sin is death. That's what you deserve. But a jar is a jar is a jar is a jar. People are people, man. And they're empty. And they represent a soul. And Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. And I would that none would perish, but that all, everybody say all, come to repentance. See, when I pour into David and them, and Tyler, and I got, man, I got nothing left. Anybody ever been just spiritually give out? Come on now, testify. I got nothing else to give them. What if they took what they had and poured into the next man? I'm not doing it anymore. I poured into but four people, and that four is supposed to become eight. Eight is a number for new beginnings. If those four pour into more, then we got 16, then we got 32. If we all did it, we wouldn't just reach this county. We'd reach the world. But here's the beauty of it. When I pour into them, I'm, I'm empty. And I go home with my bride. And we get in the Word and we pray and we seek God's face. And guess what? What was empty in me, God says, oh, but I'm an endless supply. Because if you drink of this water that you're drinking in your hand, you will thirst again. But he who drinks of the water that I give, they will never thirst. But they will have an endless supply of wellspring pouring up inside of them. Now I could just simply go back to Ben. I didn't do anything in Jeff's life. Ben did. I don't have to go to Kim because Doug's already poured into Kim. So I just fill Doug up again. And on down the line, all I have to do, I'm pouring into the same four guys. And when I run out, man, we could do this all day. Because it never dries up. But it'll dry up if you stop with a full glass of God's love and God's hope and God's mercy and God's anointing and you walk away just a blessed man or a blessed woman will bless your heart. God does not bless you and pour into you so that you will just be full. He fills you up that you may be emptied out to come back to be filled again, to be emptied out, to be filled again. That's why we keep coming. That's why we keep approaching His throne. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. As we make ready for communion, I thought no greater way than to truly solidify this teaching for us than to see what real broken bread and poured out wine looks like. What greater way than the communion? Oswald Chambers wrote a thing called My Utmost for His Highest. Anybody ever read that? I encourage you to get in that. It's deep. It's good. He said, we make calls. Y'all come and make ready for the communion, guys, while I read this. We make calls out of our own spiritual consecration. But when we get it right and God brushes all those things aside and rivets us with a pain that is so terrific to one thing we never dreamed of, and that is for the radiant flashing moment when we see him for who he is and say, here am I, send me. 
This call has nothing to do with personal sanctification, but being made broken bread and poured out wine. Jesus says, I'm the living water. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. His body was broken for the remission of your sins and mine. He paid the sin debt and the penalty of sin that God required being holy and just, becoming my sin and your sin as a broken vessel. His precious body broken on the cross. Josephus, the first century historian, says that when Jesus came down that Via Della Rosa and up on the mountain of the skull, Golgotha, that he was unrecognizable even by his own mother, beaten to inches of his life, yet he kept going. And then when he spilled his precious blood, that blood flowed out of his veins, his holy divine veins. And everything it touched awakened it with life eternal. He became broken bread and pouring himself out the poured out wine of God. Today, when we ask you to come receive communion with me, as we remember... He says, when you take of this cup, remember that that cup represents the blood of Jesus, the new cup of his testament of his blood. Drink ye all of it. God is not wanting you to sip on his goodness and his grace. and He wants you to drink it all and do so in remembrance of him as a commemoration. When you take of this bread, this unleavened bread, leaven represents sin, and there was no leaven in that bread at the initiation of the Passover meal because it was done in haste, but also there was no sin. He was the sinless Lamb of God. If you take that bread and you put it in your mouth, it's not just a morsel or a crumb of bread. It's the broken bread of Jesus Christ. It's a commemoration of that. Do this in remembrance of me, he said. But then he says this. Paul tells the church at Corinth, he says, but let each man examine himself lest he partake of this unworthily. So here's what I'm going to do. Every section, we're going to come down by rows and every single person is going to exit the row to your left. Come down and if you want to come pray first, you can pray, find a spot down here. If you want to come receive with your family, the communion and go back to your seat and take it there and pray that's totally fine but every person will go row by row so we don't jam up down here every row i want you to come receive it i don't want to just pass it out i want you to come to the altar that row you're going that way that row you're going that way when you circle back in just come back in the opposite way you went out in reverence and a posture of worship maybe bring the house lights down just a little bit i just want you to reverence the moment I'm going to pray for you. Then I want you to come, row by row, family with family, and receive the communion of God. To say that I am a child of God. The only people that are not eligible to take is that they're not already saved. But you guess what? You can do that right now. So I want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father in heaven, pray this if you're not sure about your salvation. I believe in Jesus. Pray this. Say, dear Jesus. Forgive me. I ask you to save me. Wash me clean. Pour into me that I may pour into others. In Jesus' name, I pray every head bowed and every eye closed. If you pray that this morning, I believe that you've been born again.